Welcome to Star Wars Age of Rebellion. This is an RPG Storytime presentation of a campaign played over several years utilizing all three Star Wars role-playing books by Fantasy Flight Games. This is a grand campaign where everything you hear was decided by players in an epic-scale role-playing and strategy game, then turned into this production that tells the story one chapter at a time with occasional explanations of game mechanics. The episodes are shorter than most gaming podcasts because each session is summarized in the form of a story much like an audiobook. It begins with a small band of agents played by a few role players. As the rebel cell grows, more players are brought in to take on the roles of other operatives heading out on other missions and taking part in various battles. Every choice affects the direction of the story, both for the characters on the mission and for the overall story arc. And the ultimate fate of the Juvex and Senex sectors is up to them. Aylor Sundown has gotten the information she seeks about the man who once kidnapped her and the operation he runs. However, the information is in the form of many names, and no way to track them down. All except one, a woman from Dubly's past. The rebels arrived at the base in Zaluria. Dubly led them toward the headquarters where he could introduce them to General Cloudman. Along the way, Aylor was recognized by several operatives, including Raka Sindal, who stopped her in the hallway. We all wondered what happened to you. Aylor shifted uncomfortably, not looking into any of Raka's eyes. A lot happened, she said. Raka noticed her weapon, a lightsaber. You could do a lot of damage with that, he said. Yes. Are you still blowing things up? Raka laughed heartily. No missions for me at the moment, he said. We've got operatives out looking for targets. He eyed her with the same scrutiny he used to find weak points in enemy bases. Something happened to you out there, I can tell. You're not the same person you were when we blew up that space station. It's good to see you, Raka. And Aylor moved on. Arriving in the headquarters, Dubly presented himself to command. General Cloudman, this is Lieutenant Yorto Rizon, formerly of the base on Heart, and this is... They call me Roach! Engineer extraordinaire. You can call me Roach, too. He's not part of the Alliance, Yalto explained. I was part of the 4th Battalion on Hoth. He was hired to help us out. We got left behind and survived in an outpost. Well, you're a long way from 4th Battalion, Cloudman said. But you're more than welcome to fall in with us. Thank you, sir. Yalto suddenly noticed that Dentro was missing. It was just as well. Explaining his presence would be more difficult than explaining Roach's. We need data analyzed, Dubly said. Information we stole from Hart. He handed the data card Aylor had stored the information on. You were on Hoth? Cloudman asked. It's a long story, General, Dubly said. We are following a lead on a project called Life Seed. Let's look at it. He placed the card into a slot and had one of the technicians run through the information. Lists of names, locations, and other information crawled across the screen. Nothing came up about Life Seed. And as they looked closer, they found nothing else relevant to their searches. There was nothing about Demonol, nor descriptions of anything Aylor had witnessed. But Dubly recognized one reference. His eyes grew large, yet sad at the sight. Please, cross-reference one name for me on this list. Really, Chris Light. The technician pulled up the name from the list they had just gone through, and cross-referenced it with a data Pijix Rebel had stolen from the Imperial base. All the data disappeared and it was replaced with a holographic image of a woman's face and written information about her whereabouts. Really? Dubly sighed. 
You know this woman? Cloudman asked. Doubly only nodded. Well, it looks like she's up to no good. She's working for House Casito on Dial, trying to prove human superiority to other species. Doubly already knew. He saw the information written across the hologram. He could locate her through the Casito Center of Natural Selection at the city of Corwell on Dial. He stared at the face for longer than was perhaps appropriate before turning to the general. We have to investigate this, general. I hope my wing can spare me. Your fighters are already out on an assignment, Cloudman responded. But is this important? I believe this lead to secret of the Sith. Those who are truly behind the Empire and its monkey nations. Very well, Cloudman said. You and Lieutenant Rizan will be in charge of investigating this information. Keep me apprised. Yes, sir, Yalto exclaimed before Doubly could speak. He snapped to attention, saluted, and left. Doubly gave a less formal salute and left with the big guy. Dentro was wandering the halls, observing the population of the base. He noticed that one portion of the population was affluent, with nice clothes and some bore fancy yellow armor. All were humans. Others, mostly non-humans, wore clothes that they seemed to have worn for days. The discrepancy confused Master Dentra. He was then faced with a large Twi'lek, a man who appeared inebriated and bitter, ready to start a fight. What are you staring at, human? he asked. It looks like you've stumbled upon hard times, Dentra said. The man chuckled. Stumbled upon? Choice words. The Twilight took a swig, then said, You're dressed funny. I wear the robes of the Jedi, Dentra said. Jedi? Thought you were all wiped out. Not all of us, Dentra said. He began to say more, but the Twilight stumbled past him. Look at them, he said, motioning to the humans wearing the nicer clothes and armor. You'd think they were on a damn parade. Who are they? The man's head bobbed in Dentra's direction, recognizing the Jedi was new here. House Kellerman, he said, doing an exaggerated bow. Royalty of this sector. We fight the Galactic Empire, but ally with local tyrants who enslave non-humans, including my wife. These people enslaved your wife? Well, not these people. Another house. But these are no different. Just willing to share their weapons in a fight for the greater good. He lifted his glass as though in a toast, then down the drink. Is the rebellion helping to fight the house that took your wife? The Twilight shrugged. Yes, as long as it serves their purpose. The Force has a purpose for all living things, Dentra said, stepping up to the man. His calm and confident eyes met his. Do not lose hope. With faith and action, you will see her again. Something in Dentra's voice got through to the Twi'lek, and his seemingly permanent hunched-over posture straightened. Aylor wandered outside the base. She thought she was just restless. But as she thought about it, she knew it was something else. She saw what they were building, and what they were acquiring. It was certainly more than what they had when she had seen them before. But it was not enough. She had been to several worlds now, and she had seen what the Empire could bring to bear, and the resources at the Juvex base were not nearly enough. They would need to chop the head off the snake, and the sooner the better. Then she heard a voice from somewhere in the woods. It echoed, and in a moment, it seemed to come from all around her. She spun around, her hand near her lightsaber, searching for the source. Then she realized it was inside her head. She stopped and closed her eyes, listening carefully. Aylor, 
came the voice. She recognized it. It was Jarn. Aelor Sundown. How did you find me? She asked. Sector Commander informed us you had arrived safely. I am glad. I didn't choose to come here, Aelor said. I'd returned to kill the man who had captured me. I know, Jarn said with understanding. But you did not. No. He was no longer there. But you still seek him. Yes. Do not allow your feelings to drag you to the dark side. Aylor's breathing grew heavy. Her emotions were growing, but she was controlling them. Her eyes opened and the woods seemed dark. She saw a figure beyond some trees. Jarn. How am I seeing you right now? The crystals within the base we found, he said. There is something about this place. There are many mysteries about it. One thing it seems to be is a nexus of communication. It once belonged to a Sith. Then Aelor felt a coldness around her. The woods seemed to grow darker. Something else seemed to be watching, listening. Aelor, are you safe? Jarn asked. Something else is here. As she turned, she saw that in place of one of the trees was a tower. Just past the tower was a silver orb. It seemed to be singing. Looking closer, she realized it was the head of a droid. Strangely, it was singing hello in several languages. Jarn called to her again. Aelor! His voice was now further away, and seemed to grow more distant, as though disappearing into the woods. He was clouded over by a darkness so thick it seemed as though it was the embodiment of something closing in on her. She felt a million eyes watching, and then she realized they weren't all staring at her. She was the focal point but they were spying on her surroundings, learning her location. Aylor drew her lightsaber. Come out and fight me, coward! She shouted. A deep cackle echoed against every tree, like the one she had heard in the cave. She calmed herself, realizing what she needed to do. She remembered what Valina had done, how she had passed the test. Aylor turned off her lightsaber and knelt down, closing her eyes. She drew in slow breaths, bringing peace to her mind feeling the light side of the force. A sudden roar sounded behind her, startling Aelor into looking up. She found herself face to face with a mangy, burnt-looking Wookiee who was missing half his fur. Rewara had seen her outside looking distressed and had gone to help shake her out of whatever daze she was in. Aelor looked around herself. The woods were bright, and still once again. She stood and walked back to the rebel base's secret entrance. Roach was equally restless but for the reasons of youth more than anything else. He found Doubly in his quarters, sitting back in his chair, deep in thought. Hey, Pilot Man Doubly, he exclaimed. We traded in the snowtrooper armor, and they're going to give us some stuff. You want to come? Doubly snapped out of his daze only at the end of Roach's invitation. Thank you. I have what I need. Roach noticed that the holographic image of a woman's head was floating in front of Doubly. Who's that? She's pretty. That... Is really Chris Light. Oh, the lady we're going to find? Correct. She looks younger there. Yes, she was. Why do you have that? It was a different time, a different life. Oh? We were young. Just kids. Oh, okay. Well... Our romance seemed too good to be true. How could someone like me be lucky enough to be chosen? By someone like her. We had promised each other no questions on our pasts. 
which worked for me since my own was nothing but crime and syndicate. But she, she was pure and good, and above all, smart. She was a scientist for the Republic, helping me break through to save lives. Then came the Empire. There was nowhere you could run, so we kept our heads low. I kept my arms clean, and she shifted her work to the new government. Always she seemed troubled, but never would she tell me about what her work involved. Then it became too much for her. She told me she wished me to run. I knew a smuggler who could take us to safety, somewhere off the grid. So I made arrangements. We agreed to meet there, but when I arrived, I received the worst news of my life. She would not be going with me, and she asked me to never search for her. I wanted to go to her. She was in danger. I knew it. But my friend told me that if she was still alive, then it was a trap. As Dubly finished his story, he did not notice that Roach was half asleep, barely hearing anything Dubly was saying. I cannot believe she would willingly be working on something as horrible as what Sundown described. Where did you go after that? Back to the underworld. But that is a story for another time, Termite. Okay. Well, I want to get some grenades, so I'm heading to the requisitions department. You can come if you want. Roach left out the door, but Dubly remained behind, staring at the holographic head. He is looking at you, kid. The Juvex base was small, but supplied rather well from its two house sources. Especially with the Snowtrooper armor they had brought back, they were allowed to requisition a fair amount of supplies. Each of them grabbed something they felt they could use. Aylor took shock gloves, which she could use for knocking someone out quietly. Dentra got a comms jammer that could be used for cutting off enemy communications. Roach got a group of grenades, and the Alto requisitioned a heavy repeating blaster. This was a huge gun that normally required a tripod, but Yalto was so large that he could carry it in fire. Once they had everything, they headed to the ship. Cloudman wished them good luck as he headed to his own ship. He and a team were loading up to go to another destination. You're not staying at the base? Yalto asked. There aren't enough of us for that, Cloudman said. We're all in this together. May the force be with you. Yalto saluted, and they loaded up for liftoff. Aside from Dubly, who was in the Y-Wing, Roach was the best pilot, despite his youth. So he flew the Hawk. Once they were in hyperspace, he searched the dashboard for music to play. He found what was already set up. What's this, Eleanor? Ignore that. Better yet, change it. I kinda dig it, he said. No, really. Just change it. Roach turned the music up and beat his head to the music. Now the whole ship could hear, and they were all going to be subjected to the music whether they liked it or not. This has been an RPG Storytime presentation of Age of Rebellion. Join us next week to hear what happens next. If you'd like to see a visualization of this episode, check out our YouTube channel. The link is in the description. If you'd like to see other things written by the author of this show, you can also find that in the description. Happy gaming, everybody!